Today's episode is brought to you by Daura, the platform for digital shares. And thanks to digital shares, private placements and equity crowdfundings become easy, fast, and cheap to carry out. Daura offers free access for investors and a simple digital subscription process. You can promote investments worldwide through their digital channels, and customers and partners can be turned into shareholders and brand ambassadors. If you want to learn more, go to daura.ch. That's D-A-U-R-A dot C-H. In the past, you released with a record label and you were with them a longer time, but this now changed, so you eventually have a song with Dutch uh, EDM label. You are doing maybe some production for Sony Music, then you have an own catalog, and this also, you know, this always results in, in multiple pay sources. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Vincenzo, a warm welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Great to be here. Thank you very much. You're the co-founder and CEO at Helga, a reconciliation and consolidation of revenue platform for the music industry. So before we talk about your company and what you exactly do, I want to start with your personal background. Music is the big red line in your personal CV. So what does music mean to you? Well, music uh, has, a, has a certain touch of, uh, of uh, not only um, creativity, uh, but also uh, interpretation of, of many things. And uh, depending on what kind of music I listen to, I, I sort of uh, hear out different uh, things. Uh, it could be electronic dance music where it's only instrumentals, but you really hear the artist behind it with the, with the certain melodies. Um, or if you listen to a song that's written with the lyrics, uh, you have uh, some, some background or experiences, like most prominently Lady Gaga's Paper Gangster. Uh, so, so music is very interesting. Uh, in its facets and, and backgrounds that, that go into a, a certain track. So this is why it's very fascinating. And what instruments do you play yourself? Uh, I uh, learned to play guitar. Uh, I think this is my main instrument uh, from classic to electronic then. So this was, uh, yeah, uh, well, was actually uh, my main instrument. And today you play uh, the startup game, basically. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Back in 2008 and you and your friends basically created a, a booking agent for international performing artists here in Switzerland. Where did this entrepreneurial drive come from? Was that always the goal for you to have your own company one day? Um, actually, well, it, uh, it wasn't really the, the aim to have the own company, but it was more about uh, being able to actually do something which is interesting to me. Uh, in that case, uh, I did an internship before with, uh, with a Swiss company. And uh, it was sort of limited to, to Swiss artists, which was very cool. I mean, they were amazing. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was more interested into, uh, in international artists. So uh, with, the, with the agency, it allowed me actually to access that, that roster uh, of uh, mostly old school hip hop. Nice. Um, in, uh, to then book them in Switzerland. So this was like a first experience. So it was more out of necessity that you joined the entrepreneurial path then? Yeah, yeah, this was really a necessity. I'm, there, there are just a few companies that really work internationally. And yeah, so we had, or I had to, to follow this route of doing it by myself. 
Did you have any entrepreneurs in your family that also inspired you to start your own company or anyone else that motivated or pushed you to become an entrepreneur yourself? Uh, no, actually not. Uh, the family was pretty much uh, against uh, pursuing yeah. that all the time, uh, which yeah. I think is reasonable. Uh, as it's music and then also, you know, self-employed. And uh, so um, and there were obstacles going on at that time. So obviously uh, it was uh, justified worries. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, like yeah, in the past, I learned that my mother had like some stores uh, in the past uh, for washing machines. But uh, maybe if I would have known that before, I would have and uh, you know inherited some entrepreneurial spirit. But uh, not really in, you know, in but, that but way. From a family perspective, it was basically oh, startups or your own company, self-employed and music industry, basically two high risk factors at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Don't do that; you might not survive. Right. Yeah, yeah. How do you deal with that? Because it's quite difficult for some people to swim against the tide of the family, you know, suggestions and do it anyways. Um, what I did is sort of um, uh, stakeholder management, if you want to say so. <laughs> uh, so, so it was really uh, about uh, informing them uh, what's going on, and and uh, you know, uh, we weren't performing very well there. So, also telling them that it's not going well at this point. Uh, so by keeping them in the loop, I, I was actually able to uh, to ensure their support throughout uh, the journey. Yeah. Um, so I like that stakeholder management with the family. <laughs> That's I never heard that before. <laughs> then, you no, know, you had your own company, Nightheart and Company, where you did the the artist management. Then only after that, you decided to go to university and get a bachelor's degree in business administration. Why did you decide to do that afterwards? I mean, you were running your own company. Mm -hmm. Did you still feel that this was a necessary step to to get that degree? Uh, yes, because um, I I heard from in a in a radio show of uh, SRF uh, free here in Switzerland um, a guy talking about uh, studying uh, on the side, and uh, so it, it somehow uh, was interesting. And uh, then I I'm from St. Gallen, so you obviously touch uh, uh, with high scale if you want or not, and. Uh, so with with the start summit there that I visited and and looking at all the things that are happening at uh, universities etc I felt like okay this is actually interesting and uh, even though I'm I'm founding something or setting up something I still want to participate in in that and maybe you know grow the network or or actually learn things mm -hmm. and then uh, it turned out to and uh, turned out to be right uh, with the bachelors at Harvard set uh, here in Zurich. Um, as uh, I actually uh, spotted uh, what will later become Helga in, in that way. So it was actually worth it uh, on the side. <laughs> wow, that, I want to hear more about that story in a second. But like looking back, this is a very interesting decision to take, right? Because many people say, oh, I don't know what I want to do in the future. So I go and study maybe a bit longer or they take that as a first step to their education. Mm. And then they start the companies. But you already had your company and, and then decided to go back. How do you manage that from a time perspective? I can imagine that was also quite a distraction or additional heavy workload on top of your operating business. Yeah, well, the benefit of Harvard set is that uh, you study in the evening and on Saturdays. So you technically have a full week where you can work full time, uh, which is great. Um, still good quality in, in study. In studying, so uh, I mean, this was fine. But in, in terms of, of uh, for example, uh, right now I'm at the uni, so I, I see, I still see um, the, the the difference in in how many hours would need to be invested for studying, etc. Mm -hmm. um, so the the management is really 
um, you know, everything after five uh, is really dedicated to, to the uni, also on weekends. Um, so if you do that on the side, you, you have to be willing to also go to the library, for example, on Sunday to spend mm -hmm. a full day uh, to study. But which most of the students do, right? So, yeah. so in a way, it's very natural. Uh, but you obviously you can't deny that there are performance issues in in the uni. So it's it's likely you get uh, lower grades, uh, etc. So if you if you want to be like a high performer at uni and have a very nice, uh, uh, you know, uh, six plus or whatever, <laughs> which is sure. not even possible. But it's it's like not uh, going to be like that unless you're very very uh, talented. Uh, which I'm not in that in that way. <laughs> it, it sounds like a, a good balance that you need to find there to make both yeah. things work at the same time, and yeah. Yeah. also like very long and intense days. Yeah, yeah. especially if you do uh, if you have like uh, traditional uni stuff, it's like group works, etc. Um, you have to really make sure that your group is also sort of uh, efficient. Uh, otherwise, it turns out to be a problem for yourself because you don't have that many. Uh, resources available in terms of the time because you still need to study, work, etc. Right, yeah. Then in 2021, you founded Helga and you mentioned before you discovered the business idea and started this initial spark while you were at uni. Please tell us how Helga started. Um, so I was managing uh, around five artists by the time and uh, was at Havitzet at the Bachelor. And uh, I, they just introduced uh, their new major um, digital business and AI management. So uh, I, I got presented that data uh, in, in school and uh, I looked at it and I was like, oh, this looks very familiar to, <laughs> to what I'm dealing with uh, every day, right? So, so I, I felt like, okay, uh, couldn't it be possible for us to, to actually uh, approach um, uh, that data, which is uh, mostly revenue data uh, that we looked at by the time, uh, reports with thousands of data, or millions of data lines, actually. Uh, so I wanted to approach it differently. And, and, but the idea really came out of uh, just the presentation of, of uh, you know, are there actually a, a, a thing called AI management or, or you know, machine learning, etc. that's actually dealing with such a thing. So that was uh, really, really the, the, the initial uh, input. Yeah. So you saw the potential, you saw the data. What did you do then? Because that's still a big step, right? Mm -hmm. From seeing the potential, the data, to then build a company. What happened after you realized that there is, there might be something there? Um, well, by the time I was still looking at, uh, at the data using Excel. Um, so uh, I, I had like uh, rough sketches of, of what I want to change. <laughs> And uh, then I talked with some developers here in Zurich. They told me, uh, well, it will cost you 50,000 uh, Swiss francs. And uh, then I said, okay, thank you. <laughs> and, and it's interesting, I'll, I'll hit you up <laughs> when I'm able to afford that. And then I just uh, looked at uh, finding a developer. And uh, I, um, I called up, I actually exchanged with a bunch of people. And, uh, but there was like this one lead, uh, which will later become our CTO. Um, where uh, I actually told him about the idea and then we started, um, you know, just talking about uh, about uh, how it should be managed, etc. Not really the, the full-fledged idea of Helga uh, as this developed uh, later in the journey. Sure. Yeah. Tell, tell us a bit about how you met your co-founder, Fedor, then, because that's one of the biggest challenges for most companies, right? You have an idea, but there's a missing puzzle piece, in your case, the CTO, to, to code the platform. Mm. 
how did you meet and also then agree to actually start working together? So um, the, we met as um, in my earn, uh, earlier journeys, I, uh, I still had uh, to, to earn some additional dollars or Swiss francs, I'm sorry. Uh, and um, so I, I worked uh, for a company um, just part-time uh, as a data entry uh, agent. And uh, later I was with them for four years part-time. Uh, but uh, later moved around the company to then HR, etc. And um, so uh, this guy was actually sitting behind me and uh, was one of their uh, developers. And uh, this is how we met. He was actually sitting behind me and uh, in that company. So this was uh, the, the way we got introduced by just collaborating. Yeah. Great. So you have some history together. That yeah. certainly helps. How did he then, maybe testing is the wrong word, but how did he then convince each other that you would be a good team and actually great team to work together because working together in one company in separate departments is one thing right but then starting a company together that's a whole nother level yeah i, I think because of the of the the way we were seated in that company because there was uh, he was behind me uh, then there was uh, my my spot where i had to work and then uh, hr and then right after was already the ceo so we had a very uh, direct uh, um we were under very direct fire, if you want to say so, <laughs> from a, from a patronish, uh, you know, founder and, and CEO. Yeah. So uh, I, I think, you know, given we already had that sort of level of stress uh, in 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 working there, uh, which was it was good stress, but still, you know, very challenging. So I think this really, um, you know, it was not really thinking about, you know, is that the right fit? It just felt very natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if you think about uh, investors, relations, etc., it's similar firing of uh, of uh, challenging the ideas, and uh, so it was just very natural. Yeah. And then, how did you progress from there? At one point, you then said, "Hey, now we really do this." Did you validate the idea in any way, or when did you make that decision to say, "This is there's not only potential; it's actually worth investing our time and probably also some money into the company to get started." Yeah, so uh, Fedor went into a experimenting phase uh, while still working um, for an um, information technology company mm-hmm. in, uh, in near St. Gallen. So, um, so basically, um, it was a, a, a bunch of months where we're really just uh, conceptualizing what we want to do. Then um, once I had the, the, the rough concept ready, uh, I first validated it with uh, Startfeld, uh, the, the innovation network uh, in St. Gallen. And uh, this was uh, very interesting to begin with. <laughs> in a, in a, you know, the first approach was uh, just like, uh, you know, I had the idea and then you had those people there which were very experienced with hearing ideas. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was uh, the first uh, check if, if that's actually uh, making sense in, in, a, in a way of... Uh, of um, uh, you know, startup world uh, approach yeah. because I, I I knew them before and uh, they always said like, uh, well, management, you know, it's not scalable, etc. You know, which is clear. Um, but in in that way, you know, I wanted to approach them uh, very early. But actually, before that, um, we had the support uh, from uh, a Zurich uh, CFO boutique, uh, FS Partners, um, which uh, gently just uh, lent us some help uh, in in actually. Uh, refining the, the very rough idea uh, with actually equipping it with, with uh, some, you know, uh, revenue model, 
um, based on still the original idea, but just, you know, verifying, okay, that could actually work. And, um, you know, so we had the initial work with those guys from Zurich, then the Startfeld sort of verification, which later, um, before we actually founded the, the company, uh, we were already uh, granted a support package uh, from them. Nice. Um, and uh, so we then founded the company and, uh, you know, started showing around mock-ups and, and talking about the idea uh, with some industry peers, uh, with uh, some managers, um, some self-managed artists, uh, so which is our core uh, customer group, just to see if they uh, if they think, okay, that could actually help them. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of, uh, you know, soft verified by the time. And then obviously, uh, you know, with, with uh, four pictures more with Startfeld and more verification, we sort of, uh, had defined what what we now have uh, as a as a product and mm -hmm. and uh, value proposition. So, but that took approximately like uh, uh, well one and a half year, I would say, until we really figured out what we want to do. But know? I mean, that's very normal, I yeah. would assume. This sounds like you got just the right amount of support for the early stage. Mm -hmm. Is is that accurate? Like, are you happy with the support that you get, or was there something missing from your perspective? Well, the, we didn't receive any funding, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, by the end of it, you know, it's, uh, yeah, that, I, I'm, you know, I'm happy with what we got there as we didn't have to pay anything mm -hmm. uh, in, in a way. Uh, so it was really uh, generous support and, and very committed um, in, in that phase. And yeah, I mean, I, you know, typically it's the funding which is missing. Right. But we we managed uh, as as there was neither a company running. I was a, you know actually able to to also transport some funds into it, uh, very little uh, initial funding. And uh, but we also had our operations very very low. So no, um, we didn't burn. I mean, like initially we didn't burn like two thousand a month. You know, yeah. we were just uh, you know very lean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So steadily increasing then. Yeah, great. Let's also talk about your product, your solution, of mm -hmm. course. So you said you focus on artists. What's the benefit? What's the solution that you offer to them compared to traditional ways of doing it today? Yeah, so the, the traditional ways innovate themselves in the very uh, specific field. But the problem is really about the, the management tasks that uh, an artist or a manager on behalf of the artist uh, needs to take uh, on. Uh, there is... Um, the, the music industry and uh, and as well, you know, um, due to Spotify, etc., everything uh, has opened up a bit, and uh, and you can decide more freely. Uh, in the past, you had like maybe you released with a record label and you were with them uh, a longer time, mm -hmm. but this now changed. So you eventually have a song with with a Dutch uh, EDM label. Uh, you are doing maybe some production for Sony Music. Then you have an own catalog, and this also, you know, this always results in in multiple pay sources. And and uh, your as as artist or manager, your highest worry is: Are we actually getting paid? Um, you know what is what is owned, and this is where we help because they they should what they should do <laughs> is uh, they need to to open data and and read the data and verify. Um, in, a, in a in a very complex structure of, of uh, you have this one stream, but this one stream has actually six rights, and uh, and those six rights are eventually paid by six different parties. Mm -hmm. So you should verify this one stream and then cross check with all six 
uh, that all six rides I actually collected uh, for that specific thing. Uh, may maybe it's less, maybe it's three on or two to six, but it depends on, on the ride setting. Right, but it can be very complex. Yeah, so so you, you need to look at the data, analyze it, and, and then, you know, actually come to the conclusion that this is right. And if you find out that something is not right, you should then also be able to perform some analytical uh, things to then, you know, approach the partner and say, okay, look, this is clearly missing. And uh, this is like, they can't do it. You know, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's impossible. And uh, it's because all, you know, everything was, uh, music is dominated by, by tech companies and tech thinking of, of you know, creating data, etc. Uh, music is asking for, okay, share us the data and they deliver something, but it's really, uh, you know, a hard thing to do. So where we actually, uh, what we actually do is, is, um, because they need to do the task anyway, you know, that, that's what they do. But it sounds like a real hassle today. Yeah, yeah. You, so you miss out on money, basically. Yeah, it's, uh, there, is, there are uh, estimations that it's up to $2.5 billion uh, in, the, in the total market uh, missing, uh, wow. called so-called black box revenues. There are different approaches uh, of different uh, initiatives uh, to solve that. I'm happy if they do it, <laughs> but we will not. We will only help the, the artists to, to understand uh, you know what is actually reported? Is it correct? Is something missing? Mm -hmm. And and we do that uh, by by Helga and and we do that in a, in a way where we actually uh, just try to build software which we deliver to to them for their use. Mm -hmm. So in a different approach, uh, in contrast to many many music companies, which sort of you know they position themselves in a, in a, in the in the value chain and they say okay we are here and there and you know. Uh, but for us, it's really on, on the side of the artists and managers by creating software which is useful to them, right? Right. Yeah. And at the same time, I guess you also need to integrate a lot of data, a lot of data streams. Is that a challenge for you to get that access and to then integrate them all in your software? Well, our approach right now is, is uh, um, you know, we are an extension of the management, of the management activities. So we see ourselves a little bit... Uh, um, um, entitled if you want to say it's the wrong word actually uh, but they give us actually a mandate uh, to collect that data so the data provider should technically have no choice than to mm. deliver to us because we are officially representing uh, the artist so there is a little enforcement uh, the challenge is actually uh, how it's delivered <laughs> so sometimes it's emails uh, sometimes it's uh, it's uh, ftp servers uh, sometimes it's download via dashboard etc oh, wow. so, so that's really yeah. uh, really challenging there for for the revenue data with usage data it's easy as stats are available uh, but the, the revenue data is really a problem right now so we have to uh, to define um, how, how we uh, want to approach that we are we actually created a sort of an incentive uh, where we actually say, okay, we integrate a marketplace uh, into Helga where those companies can actually, you know, uh, promote their services. Mm -hmm. And so we sort of try to create an incentive so that they give us access and, you know, it's then win-win and then obviously then there's no problem for uh, easier integration. Right. Once the data is here, the consolidation and transformation, et cetera, is, uh, is very easy for us. Yeah, but right. the data is the, the tricky part to get that in. Yeah, but we sort of, you know, the, we are not actually doing the, the collection of it. We are just uh, collecting from someone that has collected already, you know. Sure. Yeah. It's just really, you know, how do we transfer it? Is it API or FTP, et cetera? So, so we have to be very versatile there as this typically uh, th there is no digital, um, uh, digital process, even though it's digital, uh, but there's no process in, in terms of 
of uh, the exchange of data. Everybody's very individual mm -hmm. and uh, we will still need to find out uh, a good way there. Yeah. What I really like about your background is that you come from that industry. You have mm -hmm. so much specific knowledge of the industry, of the artists, etc. So I wonder how did that help you to also find the right business model? Because the artists are sort of your clients, right? Yeah. Um, so the, there is actually business model sort of uh, comes from the management. Uh, the management approach was always to to try to define a new revenue model. And I did that with the uh, ZHDK incubator of cultural entrepreneurship in, in Zurich. Um, where we actually they introduced me to the business model canvas, mm -hmm. and uh, so so what we did there is actually to to change uh, the revenue model of artist management is typically a, a share you get from the artist, and the argument I had uh, was always okay look if I take a phone call now and uh, and you are not known right it's very cheap for you but if you become very famous and I take twenty percent my phone call I do is very very expensive for right. you right. So I, I tried to to um, uh, to change it the, the revenue model there in in terms of uh, you know let's work like attorneys we we actually track the time send an invoice and that we can create like like uh, you know in good times uh, where it's actually running quite well we don't have too much to do mm -hmm. um, you know we actually create a, a benefit for for our customers where they are actually able to then reinvest the money. Uh, into projects, which is again beneficial for us, you know, as it's sort of yeah. So so same with the with the with the uh, with Helga, um, the the typical thought which comes into mind with music industry is that we need to take a share on the revenues. Right. But as we are positioned uh, really really uh, you know at the bottom of the value chain, uh, it would be the wrong model. It's just not fitting there. And so, so the business model itself was was uh, uh, you know for us it was clear okay it has to be a subscription fee to the, for the artists. Mm -hmm. uh, we still need to account for for the data volume. So there is this track fee, um, and with the incentive I mentioned before, uh, we we are looking to uh, to actually uh, lead customers to them, um, and uh, and eventually then you know get a kickback from that company of of a, of a commission then because then it makes sense again to charge a commission. But in, in that way, uh, yeah. So the challenging in the business model was really, or in the revenue model there, was really then convincing like Startfeld that this is the right thing because, you know, they, as investors are, you know, they look at the, at the volume and they're like, oh, there's so many millions of dollars, right? Yeah. You should take a commission, but it's just not fitting. And, and our main challenge is actually to, to, um, to, to translate that into an understandable and, and uh, you know, that they understand it's really beneficial for them that we don't do that, even though it's maybe unusual for them, right? But I mean, you know the industry, right? So I think with your experience and your background, you are the right person to make that call where you say, hey, I know the industry, this doesn't make sense, we do it that way. Yeah, and also the the studies helped me there because I, I studied business administration and, uh, and for me, every artist is sort of a small company. Sure. And yeah. and uh, with with that positioning, I, I see like you know well, doesn't make sense in now for management. I'm really you know uh, this is really burnt into my <laughs> my my skin right now. How I look at the, at the artist, and it would just not make sense to have a service provider which charges so much money for nothing. You know, it's uh, it's really uh, I mean there is a certain service, but the service is not worth the money. You know. Right. 
So, yeah. so you know, it should be another way around. So, yeah, I, I think that you are right there. Uh, that's that uh, the call. I mean, I try to do it. If if the market doesn't want to pay like that, you know, I I can't. It, it's actually interesting. You know, I mentioned sometimes to artists, uh, you know, from management actually. You know, if you think we are expensive, I can also do a twenty percent commission. It's mm -hmm. much better for me if you feel more comfortable, right? But they do hundreds of thousands each year, right? So the twenty percent sure. commission is is more interesting for us, you know, yeah. in a way. But yeah, is it sometimes difficult to convince them to go for a traditional SaaS subscription because that's just not the way they are used to do business? Yeah, we we try to combine now SaaS uh, revenue model with the traditional music uh, industry model. So, uh, but it depends if if it's actually. Um, allowed by law, <laughs> which is uh, really challenging right now because right, the typical the, the commissions are deducted from the revenue. Mm -hmm. So um, the artist signs up and and uh, they get like uh, the service immediately. They don't have to pay any upfront money. Sometimes yeah. they even get an advance, you know, for sure. onboarding it. Uh, so so what we do now there is actually to to try to SaaS is really you know credit card driven. You know, you need okay. to put your credit card there. And we sort of want to try to avoid that, uh, but still make them pay for it. And as we not only have the revenue data, but also have the revenue actually running through us, we are actually able to to implement. Um, there are a bunch of companies in the US, et cetera, that do that. Actually, a service fee, uh, which is implemented by the time the money runs through it. Okay. So it's a, a deduction. Also, banks do that, I think. Yeah. They, yeah. Yes. Right. So, so this is what, what we aim for. So this is more traditional. They don't have to put their credit card down, uh, and uh, but we still can sort of enforce our, our revenue model there, and uh, so that should actually work. And then I think the con the convincing is easier, as uh, you know, there is no credit card. <laughs> True. Yeah. Even if it would be better, you know, for independence, etc. But yeah. Let's talk about the other challenge. Of course, not only the business model can be a challenge by itself, but also acquiring users, mm -hmm. winning new clients. How do you go about that today? Um, so we have uh, our, our user group right now is very, very closed. Uh, we only have a, a bunch of artists that use the service already because there is no user interface they can you know access and, and most of the guys want to log in and see something. Uh, so um, our strategy right now for the acquisition is actually that we focus on, on managers first, mm -hmm. um, which uh, have uh, you know a large catalog of songs and multiple artists. So we, we aim to onboard them first, and it's also easier for us to convince them as they are businessish anyway, right? So right. we can actually you know give arguments that make sense to them. So right. this is our, our first group there. Uh, we uh, we collected um, managers so far uh, and, and contacts and um, already teased the idea. Uh, right now we're doing a, a first test with uh, with um, an onboarding test of, of the manager thing uh, with an artist uh, which is uh, which has released on almost every record label you can find, which is successful, uh, especially in deep house space, etc. It's a singer. Uh, so we look at him right now, on, you know, with the manager together, and if we see if that works well, the onboarding procedure and everything is fine and clear, you know, we then have access to the full catalog of that manager, yeah. which uh, which features a uh, um, very very interesting artists for us, you know, which are interesting data wise, but also brand wise. Yeah. <laughs> are you allowed to share any names? Uh, we it's actually a challenging uh, situation for us as well. Yeah. Typically in the music industry, you put on like a poster. You know, we work with those artists, yeah, right. and uh, and our thought is actually okay, we shouldn't do that because uh, you know as we are working with money, and uh, and uh, you know we have the data of the money 
mm-hmm. linked to the payments, it could be potentially a uh, a security issue. Right. So so we try to we try right now to enforce that that thought. Okay, you know, if they don't know who's with us, you know, yeah. we are unlikely in attack. You know, so so uh, IT security wise, you know, that's maybe Fedor's side, but uh, yeah. So so we try to. And to to keep it low profile as possible. Yeah. It's like the Swiss bank of the heart of the music industry <laughs> to a yeah. certain degree. Yeah. Is it sometimes also difficult to build the trust because this is the very core of the business of an agent, right? And also the musician because mm. it, payments, of course, they want to get paid. Is that sometimes difficult to build the trust there that they say, hey, we let you check that and run that for us? Um well yeah maybe it's maybe if they are very uh early in their career Mm -hmm. journey uh it's harder for us to convince them because uh you know why should we not be paid you know because you know some companies that that have problems with uh with uh with um you know uh, really collecting the money that is owed uh, are maybe hundreds of years old you know yeah. Why should they have a problem? You know, they have 300, 400 employees and now you are here telling me, you know, they are doing their job not correct, right? Yeah. So, but as soon as, you know, something happens, you know, they are very, you know, um, they listen and then... <laughs> they feel the pain point and then they know <laughs> they need a solution. So, so uh, and this happens anyway. So, so yeah, so maybe right now we have we have sort of the benefit that it's very unclear how b- black boxes are solved. Uh, there are aims with blockchain or whatever. Um, um, there is a huge investment uh, in in Switzerland uh, that went into a music company that that uh, aimed to to solve that mm-hmm. um, via providing a system, but also again in only one right, and it doesn't solve the problem that that we aim to solve. Uh, but you know, if they find it out, you know, then payments are better, uh, and uh, and it's uh, and it's likely uh, you know then you know then we maybe have to. You know, change our business model, but right. I, it's unlikely that it has the change will be fundamentally so fast that it, that it's uh, that it's then uh, you know not uh, not justified anymore to use the service. There's certainly a lot moving in the industry at the moment. Yeah. One thing I also want to focus or talk about is your internal setup. You are still active with your own company, mm-hmm. the Nightheart and Company, the management company basically of artists. How do you? manage the time between Helga and your own management company? Because I, I see the advantages, right? You can stay lean with Helga, you can extend the runway, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's maybe also a distraction or maybe even an advantage, you tell me. Um, so we are the, I mean, Nighthawk and Company consists out of uh, me and an accountant, right? So <laughs> so this is, this is- uh, this Very is, efficient. <laughs> So that's very simple. But uh, as uh, as Startfeld, uh, for example, you know, they they told me uh, management is not scalable. You know, uh, if you follow that line, uh, it's true, and you know, there is no intention of of signing new artists. I I uh, I rather fade out uh, the the the, um, the management and stay with a, with a bunch of clients I really like and do more of a management consultish uh, you know activity. Um, then you know extending it. So so in the past year, uh, this year, uh, in the past months of this year, this is the right wording. <laughs> uh, I I constantly reduced the activity of of Nylon Company and and added it to to Helga, mm-hmm. as Helga is somehow actually a spin-off of Nylon Company. It's justified to actually do that move. Yeah. So uh, yeah, right now as I said, we try to reduce as as much as possible, as you know Helga is uh, intensive in terms of what needs to be done right now. Sure. 
So, uh, you know, it's sort of a fading out period. Yeah, which, which is fine, you know, in, in, in terms of uh, I did now management for six years uh, with, with clients. Uh, Universal, uh, for example, calculates uh, three to four years of a lifetime with an artist uh, product lifetime. Wow. That's uh, short. Yeah, that's very short. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, so I mean, in their roster, right? And uh, yeah. so, you know, I, you know, I, I look at it right now. I'm, I'm happy that uh, the guys uh, we were able to help are, you know, they, they can, you know, uh, um, when we, you know, detach ourselves, uh, they have own companies. Uh, you know, they're fully set up and, and, you know, my job is done there in terms of, you know, managing them. I think then that's fine. Even if, you know, uh, you know, there may be other ideas, I should be a star or whatever, but it's, uh, you know, they are fine. They can make money, uh, they can invest, etc. Right. So for us, it's also the good time. We had talent development contracts, uh, with, with most of the artists. So, you know, our job is really done there. So sure. you know, why yeah. should we extend then if there's the opportunity to actually pivot to Helga, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Another thing, you're currently also open to fundraise. You're mm -hmm. raising a round of 600K and you collaborate with Daura. Mm -hmm. Why do you decide to tokenize your shares and go down that path versus the traditional, you know, capital increase with business angels or VC investors? Mm -hmm. So uh, with, uh, with tokenizing the shares, I, uh, I actually didn't understand <laughs> what's the benefits of it initially, but I liked the, the sound of it. So it, uh, I, in, in Liechtenstein, uh, there's, a, you know, there are tokenized assets, et cetera. There's the talk all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so with tokenizing the shares, I, you know, uh, there was really, wasn't really the main decision. The, the main decision was really about, uh, uh, I, we, we participated at an investors forum and there were some angels approaching. And uh, then there was like the email correspondence, etc. And I felt like I really don't want to do that. You know, this is mm -hmm. like uh, I, I feel uncomfortable and uh, I lack the process. You know, how, how should I approach it? What do I share, etc. So um, with Daura, it somehow, you know, it, it, uh, in, I envisioned the process really lean there and very clear. And uh, it actually has proven to be right, you know, for us. Uh, by the time we started working with Daura, we, we immediately uh, did a, a huge uh, um, you know, learning curve in, in uh, you know, in, in actually doing things we have not even had ready by the time. By uh, you know, defining term sheet, shareholders agreement with co-founder, shareholder agreement yeah. with uh, crowd equity participants, uh, shareholder agreement with private investors, uh, cap table, valuation, etc. So this was all done very, very fast, you know. Yeah. And uh, so the main decision was actually benefiting from, from that process mm -hmm. to become ready to actually then, you know, tokenize the shares. Right now I see the, the benefit of tokenized shares uh, with, uh, with um, you know, the way they develop and, and connect with banks and, uh, you know, actually allow um, uh, shareholders to, to, you know, eventually manage the shares within their bank portfolio, which is interesting, uh, um, you know, sell it easier or transfer it easier. So, so that's, uh, and for us, it's very easy to have the, the whole uh, shareholders book on uh, digital digitally mm -hmm. with, you know, and everything is done, you know, digitally. So that's, that's very, very good for us. And was actually, you know, right now I feel even feel comfortable again, you know, texting the guys I met at the investors forum and telling them, look, we do that now with Daura, if you're interested. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Is it easy to convince them to move over to the tokenized shares compared to their traditional model of owning the shares directly themselves? Well, they, um, the good thing is there is no no um, enforcement you know they can sure. they can if they want to use it they can use it 
especially uh, you know folks in in my uh, social uh, surroundings they are actually interested in signing up to daura and then do it with uh, with uh, you know investors uh, in, in, a, in a more org- uh, you know com- like professional investors or, or um, you know government uh, investments etc it's maybe harder to to convince them you know okay, you need to sign up etc mm-hmm. but uh, daura they really uh, you know allows us to to uh, do it both ways yeah. By the end of it, you know, if the share is tokenized, it's why shouldn't it be beneficial for them? You know, I can print it and give it to them, you know, <laughs> if they want to. <laughs> but, right. You know, so so I, I yeah, I mean, it's it's new. I think Dara only has like uh, there aren't too many companies actually to to be tokenized right now. So I think mm. we're very early there, but I'm very convinced that uh, due to the backing as well of Dara, that this will uh, be uh, that this will be it. You know, in terms of uh, like why not? You know. Sure. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and now we are recording this podcast mm-hmm. mid-October 2022. The markets are in quite a volatile situation. Mm-hmm. Everything is losing lower multiples. Do you also feel that as a startup that it's more difficult to convince investors and to raise money in these times? Or is there not a big effect that you feel as a startup company? I, I hear and read that everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, VC funds, uh, or VC funding is, is uh, you know, going down, has been propelling down earlier uh, this year in the US first. Yeah. Now y- Europe is following up. Um, but I actually don't know. If I, I, would, I would have needed a similar situation before that I can compare it. Fair you know? point, yeah. Right now I'm like, uh, you know, I. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, I mean, investors are talking to you. You get interest. You have people who want to invest. So from that regard, it's progressing. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, I don't really feel it. So, so you know, I I don't care if it's who is it, right? Maybe maybe there are VCs that are now more hesitant. And but sure. I, I actually uh, we we had like uh, two VCs calls, uh, which are which were uh, you know sort of guiding us uh, in a way, and uh, and. So I actually care more about the people that are in the VC that that uh, you know than the VC itself, you know, because yeah. I think money is like you can finance in so many ways. Um, even if we need to bootstrap a little longer, but can then refinance with revenues, that's also fine. You know, it's sure. not the, the a killer criteria right now to find uh, that specific investor. You know, for us, you keep all options open. Yeah, which is very very healthy, I think, for us. Absolutely. <laughs> You are raising 600,000 Swiss francs. What will the money be used for in the future? What have you planned? We are actually raising uh, close to 2 million. Oh, this is just the Daura part. Right. We yeah. have uh, 30% allocated to a public um, public uh, raising. Um, I don't even know the English word right now. But uh, yeah, to the public, 30% of the of the financing round, around 30%, mm-hmm. um, to make it available to everyone that actually wants to to try and do a VC investment, you know, sort of angelish. Yeah. And they don't need to invest too much money. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a very, uh, you know, they can buy as many shares as they want for us. It's good anyway. You know, we're happy with, with everything that's collected. Um, and uh, the rest is then uh, going to towards um, VCs and angels. What we want to use it for is actually uh, we're now launching our uh, UI uh, by the end of the year, and uh, we now have our first uh, sales and business development resource uh, that we're just building up, doing the first contacts, test calls, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, with the support of our network. And uh, we want to be ready then, you know, earlier next year uh, with an ideally closed financial round. 
uh, funds in the account yeah. and, uh, and, uh, and then, you know, be able to, to actually um, focus on larger extent, like a quarter of the funds are used for, for sales and marketing to really uh, do that. And then as we are very early in the product, we want to add uh, functions very, very early. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we have, I think, the highest feedback we have right now. And uh, so we w- should be able to to actually implement them f- quickly. Otherwise, we will lose the the feedback loops, you know, they're, they're right. like, okay, now it's two years later and they still ask me for feedback, yeah. you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> so we want to be a bit faster and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, expand our resources. Um, yeah, so that's that, that's the main purpose there. The days will certainly not get shorter for you in any way. Yeah, I doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) So to wrap up today's conversation, Vincenzo, we have some rapid fire questions for you. Mm -hmm. I either give you different options to choose from or a short question and you have to answer in one sentence. You ready? Yep. First one, musician or entrepreneur? Uh, Musicians are sometimes entrepreneurs, uh, but uh, I would prefer to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) With a passion for music in their free time. (laughs) What's your favorite music genre? Uh, I don't have any. Uh, it's uh, either uh, actually, yeah, they're actually they're strong, but uh, mostly EDM, some rock, some rap, some pop. So it's it's broad. So I, I think I I, uh, I uh, am in line with most people right now. The whole spectrum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. Do the Swiss take too long to launch? From your perspective, um, I don't think it's. The, their fault to not be so fast. Uh, it's rather about uh, you know being in Switzerland. Uh, you need to move a little bit uh, further to then actually also get a speed. Yeah. What was the last uh, business idea that you came up with? I know you are in a very creative field, and of course you have Helga, but I'm sure you also came up with other business ideas or businesses that you could start. Uh, I, the funny idea or funky idea, uh, I would say, is uh, is uh, I, w- I was wondering myself, isn't it possible that AI can write my business plan? <laughs> nice. <yeah. laughs> and the last one for you, you live in St. Gallen, you study in Zurich, so St. Gallen or Zurich? Um, both. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't accept that. You have to make a choice. Uh, <laughs> it's hard. I mean, for for uh, it's it's no, nah, I can't. It's it's okay. both really really nice. So. Uh, but my choice, obviously, right now for, for business development, etc., is St. Gallen. Uh, but uh, my heart is in Zurich always a little bit. <laughs> Perfect. Vincenzo, thank you so much for stopping by. Lots of success with the plant financing round and all the best for Helga and your future. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.